Welcome to a conversation powered by Connected Learning, where we chat with some of today's leading minds about new learning approaches designed for the demands and opportunities of the digital age. Connected Learning values the new ways many young people today access information, gain expertise, and learn alongside peers and mentors using the internet, social networks, and digital technology. We're excited you're here to join the conversation as we seek to make learning relevant. Hey everyone, welcome to the Make Learning Relevant podcast series produced by the Connected Learning Alliance. My name is Jeff Brazil and I am with the Alliance. Today, we are really fortunate to have with us Karina Wong. Karina serves as the Deputy Director of Education at the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. She leads the College Ready Work Portfolio, which is focused on creating the conditions for student success by investing in teachers and improving the work they do. Her investments include efforts to help teachers implement the common core in their classrooms, opportunities for teachers to form networks and collaborate virtually in more innovative and intelligent ways to deliver professional development. Before she came to work at the Gates Foundation, Karina was executive director of the Shea Penny Foundation in Berkeley, California, where she led an effort to overhaul the district school lunch program and imp implement a new model that involved freshly cooked meals prepared with local ingredients. She has worked in education for over 20 years on curriculum and instruction issues. She's held leadership positions at the national, state, and district levels. She holds a master's in education policy from Stanford University and a master's in education from George Washington University, where she also received her teaching credentials in English as a second language and social studies. Karina served as a U.S. Peace Corps volunteer in South Africa and a trainer in Botswana. And we are extremely fortunate to have Karina with us today. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. Great. Thank you for having me. The first thing I wanted to ask you, if we could just dive right in, just sort of describe the most recent areas of focus and interest at Gates. Yeah, primarily I've been focused on supporting teachers and made a series of investments around helping districts think about really redesigning their professional learning systems for teachers. A lot of the data that we have says that PD, professional development in school districts just doesn't work. Teachers don't like it and it's not effective. And so we've been really focused on how do you really overhaul those systems? What does it take um, and who has to be involved? We primarily work, um, we work with organizations, districts, and um, I have a portfolio of grants that's focused really directly at teachers and connecting teachers from across the country with each other to really uh, learn from each other because teaching can be so isolating. You, you have also been involved with panel conversations where I've heard you talk about scale and, and sustainability. These seem to be areas of focus for your foundation and, and others. Can you tell us why foundations focus so much on these two areas and what those two things really mean? Yeah, I think that you know, foundations really focus on scale and sustainability because they want to see the impact of their work. And I think um, there have been traditional ways about going about it that haven't been effective. And at the Gates Foundation, we've been trying to think about different ways of going about it, that things like investing in one place and making it all perfect and then hoping it spreads across the country, um, sometimes people call that a proof point strategy, or thinking we might do a pilot and then we might have a larger pilot and a larger pilot and a larger pilot. It's a very place-based investment. And at the foundation, we've been thinking, can we think about it a little bit differently? And we've really thought a lot about the power of networks, that um, we can invest in districts or schools, uh, but unless we really harness the power of networks of districts and networks of schools, uh, we won't be able to sort of scale it fast and rapidly across sets of districts as we want. We've been learning a lot about how important it is to 
listen to people and the stories that oftentimes foundations approach this work by saying, here's what we want to invest in and using our language instead of really listening to, in our case, teachers and schools and school leaders. Um, how do they think about what the challenge is? How do they talk about it? And what's the most important lever from their perspective? Um, and really, I think a lot of times people just assume that scale happens, um, but it really happens through people. So we've been paying really close attention to, in our case, how do you involve teachers in the design and implementation as opposed to thinking about them as they're just going to be the ones at the, the end that are going to sort of travel and take this work further. You've been doing this work for a while now. What, what's your favorite part about it? You know, my, my favorite part is always going into schools and talking to teachers and um, really understanding um, what the real challenges are for them. I think it's, um, there's, there was a line I learned a long time ago at the beginning of my career, and it was something like, you know, it only takes 30 seconds to forget how hard it is to be in the classroom. And when you talk to classroom teachers, you really um, hear how difficult it is. I mean, there's so many things to so many people, and they have to teach the Common Core, and they're going to be evaluated, and there are accountability systems. So it's a really humbling experience for me to always be in the classroom. If the work you guys are doing and the investments you're making are super successful, what changes would we begin to see, and who would benefit from these changes, do you think? So the ultimate beneficiary for me is always kids, and I feel like if our work is successful, we have a saying at Foundation where um, we want to drive our investments towards making at least one in, one in three teachers effective, and how do we do that? Um, so I feel like if we're really successful, we're going to have great teachers in the classrooms, and um, it's not going to be based on what zip code you live in or which district you, you your kids go to school too. Um, I feel like what it's really about is um, making the conditions possible in schools for great teaching to be possible. And success is going to have teachers feel that they're living and working in those conditions and have our kids be experiencing learning uh, at much higher, more engaging and effective levels. So what has surprised you or caught you off guard or, or made you and your colleagues turn your heads what have you learned as you've made these bigger and deeper investments that you didn't know going in? Um, one of the things that's just surprised me just from the, at the foundation is how active the co-chairs Bill and Melinda are in the work. Um, I, didn't, I don't know what my – five years ago when I joined the Gates Foundation, I wasn't sure what to expect. And I didn't know how often I'd meet with them. Um, but we have quite a lot of interactions, and they're quite active um, in the field and um, in really understanding uh, what the challenges are to implementation. That's one thing from the foundation side. You know, I think the other thing, and I mentioned it earlier, was just the power of networks. Um, I think I've always believed I sort of was schooled in sort of systems change, and I feel like the next phase of really radical reform is going to involve networks, whether they're um, social networks or professional networks. But there is something about this notion of networks that we've really started to figure out how does that work and how does it um, help us leverage some of the investments we've been making, that place-based investments is just not going to get us there. I want to know if you feel likewise about this. I feel like for those of us who've been involved in the work for a while, it seems like so much great work is being done out there. You encounter teachers who are doing some amazing things in schools and sometimes in some really tough environments. There's just a lot of great stuff happening. But would it make more of a difference if it was more connected or linked? And is that what you mean by the network effect? I, I love sort of 
connecting the dots or strange bedfellows. And I, I do think that's true, um, that um, sometimes with innovations um, or even with investments that foundations have, we think we're going to invest in this and then this is going to happen. And um, I've learned that we make investments and then we've got to iterate a lot faster and say, oh, it's going in a different direction. So now what do I do as opposed to stay the course? And I think that's one aspect of really understanding scale. I mean, I think the other aspect of understanding scale and, and how things travel um, across networks is um, what I would call, you know, really good design. That I think one of the things we've, we've been investing in these innovative professional development systems, and I keep asking myself, what's the real innovation here and what's really scalable? Just because I do it in Fresno or Bridgeport, why do I think it can be done in Los Angeles? And what exactly do I think can be done in Los Angeles? And I think it's... We really have to think hard about what, what really is at the heart of the innovation. So, yeah, we've got to network the, the districts together more, but it's also sort of what is the innovation that can scale because everyone will say, my context is different. You don't know my kids or you don't know my teachers or you don't know my union. Um, but yet we've found in some of our early investments around the Common Core, there are some things that can travel pretty well across a lot of different networks that are quite diverse. Let's spend a moment or two on broader education issues. It feels like we're at a time when there's widespread agreement from most parts of the spectrum that our education system is in need of an upgrade. Right now, we're using very 20th century approaches to education, but we're living in a very different time. What issues do you think we can see the most progress in if we start making changes now? And what ways, besides the networking, can we use to get these changes in motion? Yeah, I think in education we tend to like have these big pendulum swings instead of thinking about our work in cycles and continuous improvement. And I think we have a lot to learn from um, the sort of process improvement uh, work that you see in hospitals and healthcare and things like that. I feel like the one of the um, one of the sort of biggest things that I've been really wrestling with in terms of um, is really about how can we create more personalized learning environments for both kids and teachers, as well as, or at the same time, as sort of collective development. And I think sometimes um, technology can tend to lean on this very personalized system. And I think we need that, but we also need the collective development piece. And I think as we think about what are this, how could we change schools and and how could we redesign them and create them more into more effective learning organizations? I think paying attention to both that personalized learning on both the student and teacher side and the collective development on both the student and teacher side because we're, we're, we're all trying to learn. Nobody's alone in this. And if we really want to scale it, it can't be individual by individual or student by student. So another issue that gets a lot of airtime that is closely related to the need for change in education is the, is the shift in the economy. There are fewer and fewer jobs for individuals with only a high school education, and jobs are decreasing for those even with a college education as the economy shifts. Thinking about this and, and the way we think about learning in general, how does our education system, not just the schools, need to change in order to deal with these new challenges that are happening in the workplace and in career development? Yeah, I, I think we have to get out of what some teachers call the six-period day, <laughs> that we're not going to be able to educate our kids for this new economy in a six-period day and in the four walls of the school, that um, we have to really think very differently about what schooling looks like and where education comes from, um, not just from teachers or parents, but from other kinds of mentors and, and, and where that learning takes place. You know, I was talking to a CEO of a company the other day, and um, he had such smart um, people working for him, and I said, 
how do you recruit and what's the what's the skill that you're looking for because I've been thinking the jobs today right are going to be very different in the future and he, he said a really interesting thing to me he says you know the number one thing that I'm looking for is a person who can deal with ambiguity I thought that was really telling about the future and the kinds of jobs that my children and 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 your children might have um, is that what are we doing in schools to help teach kids to deal with ambiguity and um, you know I reflect and I just got standardized test scores for my daughter she had a um, and it told me what I knew you know she's not so good at multi-digit uh, multiplication and her spelling's not so good and I thought you know she needs those things but I'm thinking about can she find a way in a city without a map that was one of the questions that the CEO said he often asked people and it's those kinds of skills and things that we've got to make sure um, the next generation is ready for if we're really going to prepare them for jobs that you and I don't can't even imagine right now. Yes, that sort of touches on the issue of assessment and outcomes. How do we go about making changes in that area? Yeah, you know, we made I made a, several investments in um, game-based investments, what I'll call to think about how to use games for learning and for assessment. And I really believe in the power of um, those kinds of innovations and the question is how do we begin to think about them or adopt them in schools and how do we begin to recognize or validate what kids actually learn in different ways and I think that is a really tough question because I think our current assessment evaluation accountability systems are not set up for sort of that v3 way of thinking um, about proficiency three can you say more about that uh, oh, I say more about V3. So I'm just thinking, you know, we've gone through so many phases about um, accountability reform and standards-based reform and all these kinds of things. And I think we're really needing to think a little further out. Um, when I say V3, I'm sort of thinking, you know, imagine a world where you're not um, trapped inside. I've got to take a standardized test in the spring to know whether or not my kid is ready for college. How do we think very differently about that? Or to know whether or not the schools are doing well. What can we do faster, more iteratively, and what's more relevant to kids? For a while now, we've heard about schools wrestling with the idea that learning happens anytime and anywhere. And it's all under this rubric of making learning relevant, which is our theme for the month. To you, what does it mean to make learning relevant? So I think um, it has a lot to do with um, being interest-driven. But it also has to do with that story that I said about what are the skills that students need, not just for today, but for tomorrow's world. So if we're going to really do our kids a service instead of a disservice, we have to allow their interests to drive some things, but ensure that they actually have the skills that they need for tomorrow's world and the jobs that we don't even know about in the future. And I think relevance is both what they're interested in now, but what they need for the future. And the other thing that is talked about a lot is technology integration and the role of technology in education. I would also throw in digital media, social media, and the internet. For you, what are the possibilities and the concerns? So um, I have a confession. I was not an early adopter, and um, uh, I've sort of really become a believer in them. Um, and it goes back to my own thinking about networks. Um, that networks are social and networks are virtual. 
and I, I believe there's going to be a lot of power in terms of, on the, particularly on the teacher side, um, one of the things that we've been working at at the foundation is to really think, how do you leverage social media so that you can connect teachers across the country who might be working on the Common Core and feel quite isolated? I had a great example of the power of it when we had an interview with a set of teachers, and one teacher said, you know, I used to have the Sunday night problem, which is, you know, on Sunday night I'm scrambling and trying to use Google or whatever it is to, to find the lessons that I need for Monday. And he said, since I started using social media and Twitter, I don't have to do that anymore because I start to follow people and the information comes to me. And I thought that was a beautiful way of thinking about the future and the use of social media in really positive and, and powerful ways. There's a Every Sunday, um, the teachers, I think it's on Sunday, the teachers in California have kind of a virtual meetup, and they all get on Twitter at the same time and um, tweet each other resources, what they're thinking, what they're learning. And, I, and you have no idea how many people are participating in that, and many people sort of start to, to see things differently. So I feel like there's so much... Um, energy and possibility in moving sort of thinking, learning, and innovation forward by harnessing these forms of social media and technology. Um, I think the danger is that people can just, technology can just be the next sort of shiny object. And um, I always remind people that, you know, good teaching is good teaching is good teaching, whether you have a computer or a phone or anything, and that the technology can enhance and enable, um, but it doesn't mean that you don't need a good teacher at the end of the day. So are you in general optimistic? How do you feel about the future in terms of all the investments and activities? Do you feel like your work with the Gates Foundation could have a really positive impact in the next five to 10 years? It can get tiring to hear of all the negativity around education and the media. So how optimistic are you? Yeah, you know, we have a saying, um, and uh, the Gates Foundation has a blog called The Impatient Optimist. And I think that really describes the way I think about the world. There's a sense of urgency um, about everything I do. And of course, I think you have to be an optimist to work in education. Um, one of the goals that we set for ourselves when I joined the Gates Foundation five years ago was by 2025, 85% of our kids would be college and career ready. And um, I happen to have a son that's in the class of 2025. And so I'm absolutely optimistic and I'm doing everything I can to to, to make education a, a better um a better space because my son's in the system and um, he's going to graduate from it. Well, optimism is an awesome place to stop. So Karina, let me say thank you for joining us today and being part of our focus on making learning relevant. What we at the Connected Learning Alliance call the fourth R. We really appreciate your time. Thank you very much. It's been my pleasure. Thanks for joining us here at the Connected Learning Alliance. If you missed any of this conversation or want to listen to more discussions, check out our website at clalliance.org or subscribe to our podcast channel on iTunes. See you back here for more talks with change makers and thought leaders who are building the next generation of learning.